When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is episode 156. Prepare for your coding interview. Your coding interview. Think about that. You're getting all taught up, learned up, whatever you want to say it. I'm not saying any word right there. Not at all. You're getting all... What do you say? I'm getting all skilled? What do you say, Mike? You're getting when all you're skilled up, yeah. Getting all skilled up? You're is that what you say? up, leveled up, skilled up. You'd get... Oh, man, that's weird. I never really thought of saying, like, you know, you usually say, like, I went to college or, like, I got a degree. But then when you're talking about, like, other people, like, how do you, I mean, it's probably really simple and I just can't think of it because the microphones get, are in front of my face. They got de- degreed up. They got degreed up, skilled up, <laughs> or as Ricky would say from Trello Park Boys, getting learnt. Um, if I anyone's like a fan one, of that actually, show. Yeah, it's always going to be to get, get learnt now. Getting learnt. Um, <laughs> well, I'm Matt that doesn't know how to uh, talk about college and stuff, apparently, and uh, and self-learning. I don't know how to talk today. I'm Matt. I don't know how to talk. That's Mike. And this week we'll be talking with TJ all about coding interviews and how you can prepare for them. Coding interviews are a big thing. They're scary. They're weird. They're a big obstacle. And we're going to help you get through it. Now, if this sounds interesting to you and you and it really should because you want to get into that job that you're looking at. You should go and check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating on your podcast app, join us in our Discord server, share this with your friends. And now, again, we're going to be talking with TJ, TJ Kinnian today, who helps people change into new careers in tech, more specifically into things like web development, UI, UX, and data science. TJ has a ton of experience from the recruitment side of things, all the way through coding boot camps. So he's not just like he's not just a guy that's sitting there coding. He's the he's the uh, the careers expert, if you will. He is currently the program manager slash career services director slash director of admissions. Big title <laughs> at Learning Fuse, which is a popular boot camp that offers both in-person and remote learning options. His insights into recruiting and the coding world. So he kind of has that burst of knowledge into both should offer a wealth of knowledge for anyone looking to prepare for an interview in tech and coding. So a bit of a different one, not really a technical episode this week, all about the recruiting, all about the career stuff. This is going to be a perfect episode if you just self-taught or you just came out of college or you're looking just to get into a new job. Give this interview a listen. All right, everybody, we have TJ on the line here. And before we dive into this loaded episode, TJ, what's up? How's it going? How's your COVID life going? Uh, what's going on? It's going great. You know, it's uh, Tuesday, which, you know, is, is pretty clear to say isn't Monday. So as, as long <laughs> as I can get that in the rearview mirror, it's, uh, it's a good step in the right direction. And, uh, you know, out here in Southern California, we've got a big uh taco community so uh i'm definitely looking forward to grabbing some of those later tonight oh yeah that's the i was introduced to um 
I was introduced to burritos, a, a local a local burrito place that ended up turning into a franchise when I worked in the in the city near Toronto there. And uh, ever since then, I've been all about the tacos and the burritos and everything. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a bit of a journey there. So uh, I would definitely love that. Yeah, no, I, I I'm trying to remember what it was. There was there was a place that I used to go to when I lived up in uh, up in Toronto as well. And I remember it being very, very popular because there wasn't a ton of burrito and taco places at the time. Interestingly enough, right? It's 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 interesting because I remember one time we were uh, running around downtown Toronto, just just the core there, and I was maybe it was just because it was late, but we were like, man, there's got to be like a twenty four seven. It was the weekend. There's got to be like a twenty four seven taco place, and we did find a bunch of twenty four seven food places relatively, but no, at least not that we found. We're new to the area, so like at least no taco places, which was a which was a real shame. That's what we were after, but got some killer shawarma that night, so that I mean, can't complain. <laughs> No, that's it. exactly. You know, you guys got the the street meat and the uh, the shawarma and, uh, you know, the, the kebabs and everything. We don't have as much of that down here. So uh, I, I definitely miss the options, um, you know, of the of a city like Toronto. But we could talk about this stuff all day. I mean, you got guys, we we have food down here, but it's definitely not the same scene uh, as, as Toronto. So I'm jealous of you guys. <laughs> hey, that's well, that's uh, that, that's good to hear. I always like hear, having a, a slight edge on our guests. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> now that we got you where we want, you know, um, now that we uh, now that we've established that uh, our area is better. Uh, we, let's uh, let's dive into these questions here. Um, <laughs> just kidding there. Yeah, here, um, one sec. Let me put on some sunscreen really quick and uh, step outside <laughs> with my sandals. Hey, come on now. It's uh, just because it's raining and overcast here doesn't mean <laughs> doesn't mean anything come on uh, uh so you know we, we're all told to, you know to dive into this we're, you know we're, we're all told to get better at coding we should just code or practice 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 right you know just just keep working at it working at it working at it but that doesn't seem to be enough to jump into a coding interview so at a high level what should a prospective employee do to prepare for a coding interview other than this practice and coding? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, at, at the most basic entry level starting point, you know, into somebody's kind of career as a developer, you, you definitely do have to do a lot of coding because there's so much to learn. And, you know, as we all know, there's a huge difference between watching YouTube videos and reading documentation and then actually putting your hands on the keyboard and, staring at a problem for what feels like hours only to realize that you're missing a curly bracket. So you still have to do that. But like anything in life, um, it, there's there's a big difference between uh, quality of the practice and the work that you're putting in and how that aligns with you know what your, your ultimate goals are. So I think one of the mistakes that a lot of junior developers make early on. And, and I see this a lot with, you know, our bootcamp students as they head into the job search process is they dive into things like leak code or, uh, you know, code wars or hacker rank. And, you know, they just do a ton of practice problems. And while that stuff is good, it's not what you're getting paid to do. You know, you're getting paid to build applications, to solve problems for people and businesses. And, you know, whether that's an internal application for a company or a website, it's not a, it's not an algorithm challenge. And so you have to have this mix, you know, you should sprinkle in some algorithm challenges throughout the week to kind of keep your brain sharp. But at the same time, building projects go such a long way um, and hopefully it's more fun. You know, hopefully 
you know, you enjoy the idea of building a website, you know, that you can show off to your friends or, you know, going out and taking your favorite app and then saying, you know what, I like this part about it, but I think it would be a lot better if we, you know, did this. And that's the technical side. Um, on the other side, you, you still have to have the communication skills. So, you know, being able to talk about what it is that you've done from a coding perspective, why you love to code, you know, it it's not simply enough to have the skills as a, as a junior or an entry level uh, person breaking into an industry, because a lot of the time spent in the first few months is going to be training and, and getting you up to speed. So be the person who's so happy to be there that people want to spend time, you know, teaching and training you. And um, it's, it's one of those things, once again, where until somebody's hired uh, themselves or they've, you know, taken a step back and, and really had those, those deeper conversations with, you know, hire managers and senior engineers, a lot of times they just see the surface level stuff of learn HTML, learn CSS, learn JavaScript, and that's enough. Well, Unfortunately, everybody's doing that. So you have to do that and a little bit more. I'm wondering just um, from the boot camp perspective, when you guys prepare people for interviews, how much time in the boot camps do you guys spend on coding interview questions? And what I mean by that, like a lot of the time, you know, us coders, we're usually just Googling stuff. We don't really care what the uh, what we're using. Um, but in interviews, especially, it's very important, at least the ones that I've been to and the ones that I've done. Uh to, to code and, and question on people's like algorithm skills. And sometimes the company will use those algorithms. Sometimes they won't. It, it, it's kind of like a controversial point as to why that, that practice is done. But it, regardless to say controversial or not, it is done. So do you guys in the boot camp prepare the person for those kinds of questions or is that on the person themselves? Yeah, we definitely have to. Uh, and that's, you know, a great point that you brought up. And we don't need to go down to the controversy side because the entire hiring interviewing landscape, whether it's technical or non-technical, has so many different opinions as to what should or shouldn't be done because, you know, it, it involves two people and it involves, you know, people who have been through, let's say they went and got a computer science degree and they've worked at a company with everybody who has computer science degrees or they worked at Amazon beforehand, and they heard a lot of algorithm questions, well, they're going to kind of default to that because that's what they know. Uh, and then you have people on the other side who say, you know what, let's just have a conversation. Let's, um, you know, let's talk about your projects. Let's dive into why you made this decision in your code. Let's pull up, you know, your GitHub repo. And, you know, so that's, that's one of the tough parts is you don't know what those are going to be. So in our program, we have to, we have to prepare for both. We have to expose people to a little bit of everything. Because as people graduate, you know, a coding boot camp, it, it's it's not the end of your journey. Like your learning has just really begun. And our goal is to give you the fundamentals, make sure that you're you're comfortable with HTML, CSS, JavaScript. You know, we're going to start to look into some libraries and frameworks and we're going to build full stack applications. Um, but if you think that that's enough to, to just walk into a job, then you know, that, that you're, you're, you're not in the right field. And, you know, you guys both know this and probably many of your listeners do, but one of the double-edged swords of, you know, working in web development specifically and tech at a more general level is how quickly things change. And the fact that you constantly have to learn it's fun, it's awesome, but it's also super challenging. And so what we try to do in the program is, is 
sprinkle it in throughout. So we have a, uh, a repo of algorithm challenges that the students are encouraged to work on um, from week one all the way through uh, the end of the program. And, you know, some of them dive into it. And we had one student recently who finished all of them by week three. So we're like, oh, God, we have to we have to build more for him. <laughs> uh, which, it's a good problem to have. Um, and then you have other people who kind of, you know, dismiss them and, and they don't really realize how seriously they need to take it um, until later on. But then on the other side of the coin, um, we have to have little quiz questions. So after every homework assignment, we actually have about three to four questions that the students uh, are encouraged to ask themselves and reflect upon what they just did. Because unfortunately, as much as coding and development and, and Mike, you hit the nail on the head there is it's not, you know, it's not regurgitating information. It's not memorizing stuff. It is, oh, wait, I know I did this before. I know there's a method for this, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. I'm going to do a quick Google search. And that's what you're doing day in and day out. But the interview process, because it moves quick, because companies have to kind of streamline things, they're going to have a series of questions that they feel are important to their company. And sometimes it's something as simple as, what does CSS stand for? And if you can't answer that, well, cool, that's a knockout question. We're moving on with other candidates. And then, of course, those questions progressively get harder until a company has decided, you know what, this is the level of aptitude and knowledge we need somebody to have. Circling back around is, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it's not easy because every company does it a little bit differently. But one of the things I think job seekers need to keep in mind is nobody's expecting you to be perfect. Nobody's expecting you to get every question right. Uh, one of the coolest um, interviews I had heard was uh, a gentleman who's a CTO who said that he asks, I believe it was 30 technical questions in his interviews, and he expects people to get two to three of them right. And he goes, it's because I want to see how they handle the other ones. And you know, I just want to see how they communicate, whether they're honest about what they do know and they don't know. Um, because if somebody gave you a project at work, you know, and said, Hey, Mike, Matt, we need you guys to go build us, you know, and this is one of my mock interview questions is we need you to build us contact form. Well, hopefully the first thing you do before running off to go build that is ask them some questions about what's going to be on it. What technologies do we, are we using for this? Do we need to make sure that it's mobile responsive and people during the interview process forget that they're not expected to be perfect because they think they have to you know, they're, they're, they're looked at through this microscope. And in reality, it's, it's more about how do you handle, how will you act as an employee? And we understand that our employees are not going to always have the right answer. That, you know, the, the one point you made there about the knockout question is super interesting. You know, the, the, the CSS uh, question where it's like, that's almost what I would loop it into as like a, like, like what's the history of this coding language or whatever, right? Like, it's kind of one of those, like, basic questions that you would forget when you're actually coding because, like, it's not like you're writing cascading style sheets, you know, every day or something, you know, <laughs> writing, you know, like writing that out. How many, like, how many times do you encounter or have you encountered in your career there, like, something that, like, let's say the person would answer, like, all the, I know you said that you don't have to be perfect, but if this is, like, a knockout question, the CSS question, and then the candidate answers, let's say, 10 technical questions, you know, satisfactorily, like all as good as you would expect. And then 
bam, you have one of these questions. Is it really like, is that really a knockout question with all that behind it, with all those technical questions behind it? Is that like, you know what? That's it. Like, get this guy out of here. Is that, is it, is, is there like a little bit of like, roboticism in there where it's like, Hey, they didn't answer. There, there's these, these three questions. These are our knockouts. If they don't answer these, they're out. I don't care about anything else. Is there a little bit of that in, in the interview process? There can be, but it's, it's not, it's very rarely one question and you're done. It's more often like a series of questions. And this comes back to the idea that they, they really, once again, don't, they understand that you're, you're not expected to be perfect. You, you feel the pressure of being in an interview, you know, even, even people who are on the other side of the interview don't like interviewing usually because they feel <laughs> a little bit odd, you know, about it. Like, what questions do we ask? Did I ask that properly? Did I, did I say that terminology, you know, right. But then some of them just go and Google, you know, interview questions that they can include into, um, you know, their interview later that day. But it, it's more of like, if, if it's a series of them. So what I see a lot of with uh, junior and entry level hires is people and, and managers know that you that you feel the pressure, so they ease you into it. So they're going to start out with questions like, you know, tell me about yourself, and and not, hopefully you have a comfortable response to that. Because if you're struggling with that question, well, gosh, I mean, you just set the tone for the rest of the interview that it's not going to be a conversation; it's going to be more of you know a back and forth, or you know what I hate interviews to be is it is an interrogation. So right. set it up, tell them about the, the, what you love to do with code, why you got into coding, the project that you're excited about. And usually they'll go off of that. So what a manager might typically then ask is, you know, well, let's talk about this project. Why did you decide to use, you know, CSS for this? And, you know, why didn't you use a, a library like, you know, Bootstrap? And you then they ask, well, heck, if you were, you know, using Bootstrap, what would be, you know, an example of, of how many columns you would break this into, you know, for this, this web page? And so they're not really sometimes they they do have those knockout questions. I would say a good interviewer doesn't. A good interviewer is going to let the candidate lead them into a direction where the candidate says, I'm comfortable talking about this stuff. I'm, I, I just brought up React naturally in the conversation. And by bringing React up, the interviewer on the other side says, okay, cool. Let's talk more about React because I want to find out where your level of depth of knowledge is with this because you just told me it's fair game. Now, where you do see more of the knockout questions are in the first initial phone screens with maybe a recruiter. And this is because a recruiter is not super technical. So right. what a recruiter is going to do is a recruiter won't have the ability to take that conversation and dive deep into the technology stack and say, you know, did you use, you know, an MVC, you know, uh, kind of framework for this? And can you break down why this portion was used as the view and this portion was used as the controller? Like that, that's going to go over their head. But what they can ask is um, something along the lines of like, what are the uh, life cycle? What, what are the stages of the React component life cycle? Or can you name for me, um, you know, the four pillars of OOP? Like these things that like, it's it's kind of more like a test question. And if their manager, their team told them that those are important, they're going to use that as an easy in out kind of weeding out process. But, you know, a, a technical person, unless they're trying to prove something or they're trying to just truly 
get the interview over with as quickly as possible, they're usually going to try to make it as much of a conversation. Um, but, you know, long answer, TLDR, I would say that very rarely are you going to give one answer that that's wrong and that's the end of the interview. More often than not, it has to be a series of wrong answers or you're guessing and the interviewer can tell that you're guessing. Mm. And by guessing, they go, well, God, if you know TJ is trying to guess right now, what's going to happen when he's one of my employees and I ask him to do something and he guesses at it or he doesn't tell me that he doesn't know it and he's going to look it up because guessing is probably one of the worst things you can do. At the end of the day, it's fine to say, I don't know. That's going to happen throughout your career, but I don't know. I'm going to solve it. I'm going to look into this or how can we go about you know fixing this problem is, is really the best route to go with. So if you get something wrong, admit it, tell them you're going to look it up um, or follow up in the, in the thank you email afterwards and say, hey, guys, you know, I appreciate you taking the time. I know I messed up this question. I looked it up afterwards. Really boneheaded move of me um, to, to not have gotten that right. But, you know, I know I can do it on the job. Right. And that's all they really want is the is the solution. Like you're an en- you're a solutions engineer, effectively, usually when you're a coder. So they just want the solution at the end of the day. So that that's a good way to kind of recover if you've messed up. That's a good that's a that's a good bit of insight. And so, you know, you work at a boot camp right now and there's also, you know, of course, traditional school like, like college, university, those type of things. And so, you know, like, let's say when you're in a boot camp, you know, you're coding a lot. Obviously, you said that at Learning Fuse there that you actually do a lot of interview prep. And I presume there's other boot camps that do that as well. I don't know what the traditional schools do, whether they bother with it or how that works. Maybe there's co-ops or something. I'm not really sure. Right. It's different per, per program, per course, per everywhere. But let's just say, you know, you're loaded up in like the way that Learning Fuse does it. With all this knowledge, it's fresh, it's everything. You graduate, you're done, boom. Are you like going to need more prep after that? Like, you you know, like Monday you graduate. So then Monday afternoon you start applying. Do you need to keep doing more interview prep after that? Do you think that, you know, applying immediately and getting out there immediately into the into the workforce is the best way to do it? Or do you think that you should still be prepping a lot? Like, what's the process for a recent graduate, like a super recent graduate? Yeah, it's it's a case by case basis uh, because people come in with different you know amounts of self study. Some people pick up the concepts uh, pretty quickly. Some people just put in more hours. Some people, you know, don't do any of the interview prep and because they're so bogged down by the coding side that they need to save it for after you know graduating. But then on the other side, it's also a case by case basis with the companies and the opportunities because you know some companies. One of the things. I try to tell the students, you know, as, as they're going into their job search is you have complete control over the amount of prep you can do. You can look at the job description. You can look at the LinkedIn profile of the company, the person you're interviewing with, look at the company's website. You can study, you know, technical questions. What you don't have control over is the expectation of the, the experience level that the company needs. So an entry-level role for one company is different than an entry-level role for another company. We've had students have been rejected for entry-level roles, gotten a senior, quote-unquote, senior role that they literally just took a shot in the dark at apply to. And it turns out the company said, yeah, we were looking for a senior, but we really like your personality. We like your, you know, your communication skills. We can see that, that, that the pace at which you're going to learn, we're going to hire you, but we're still going to look for, you know, a senior later on. So it 
you know, once again, it, it depends. I do think that you need to have at least the basics of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript because at a certain point, you are going to be expected to perform. You know, no company should expect you to come in and, you know, save their, their product, their app, their website, you know, when you start. But three months in, four months in, six months in, that is when the expectations that, hey, we're paying you to do this stuff uh, start to, you know, become a little bit more real. And when you're coming out, once again, it's really difficult for a job seeker because most job descriptions don't go into that detail. You know, most companies don't include a video with their job description that says, hey, here's what our tech stack looks like. Here's what we would like somebody to be at. But if you're just short, then we're open to working with you and talking to you, you know, just the same. And then on the other side of the coin, a lot of job seekers themselves, whether they're coming out of a, a computer science program, a boot camp, or self-study, you don't know what you don't know. You know, most people aren't aware that their communication needs improvement. They aren't showing enough passion in the interview. And so I think that. You should, of course, be able to write some basic code, but you don't want to overthink it and say, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. And now you kind of fall into that, you know, confidence imposter syndrome, um, you know, trap that we know all engineers go through. So I, I think it's worth getting out there. One of the best things that people can do is network. You know, if, if for example, somebody's part of your guys is Slack or Discord community. And, you know, they reach out to one of you and say, hey guys, I'd love to ask you some questions about where I'm at. You, you tell them, hey, you, you did this well, you could probably improve upon this. Cool, now they know. Uh, more often than not though, too, too many people default to simply just one-click applications online. And as a result, the only feedback they have about their weaknesses or reasons for not getting interviews is what they tell themselves. And, as we all know, you know, sometimes we're way too hard on ourselves and sometimes we're not nearly hard enough. So it's a little bit of a balance. Um, but getting back to, you know, kind of the statistics around the amount of time that people get from their career services is, I, I don't know about, you know, up, up north of the border, but, uh, you know, in the US, the average undergraduate degree uh, college student gets 20 minutes or spends 20 minutes with their career services uh, center department uh, in all four years that they've been there. Now, is that the, the issue of the student or the career services center? Probably a little bit of both. You know, they, they, the students could definitely reach out and ask for more, but the career services center could probably do better for making themselves available. And, and that's kind of where a boot camp or at least a good boot camp, uh, coding boot camp should add value is that our entire, you know, industry is built off of outcomes and results. And so, you know, I know that there's quite a few good programs out there. One of the ones I've, I've been impressed with uh, up by you guys is Juno College. They seem to put a lot of uh, time and effort into their job seekers. Um, but, you know, I, I, without going into and naming any companies or boot camps, there are a lot out there who don't do career services and they claim to, um, but unfortunately they kind of uh, cut corners with that stuff because, you know, when you get into it and somebody says, Oh no, I don't need a mock interview. You're like, okay, cool. Yeah. We'll skip the mock interview. And you're like, no, you, you probably should actually. Probably shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, for, for your guests in the crowd who um, maybe don't have access to a career services center or a boot camp, 
Um, there's a website called Pramp, P-R-A-M-P, that actually uh, sets up mini mock interviews with you and other people who are at your level. And they give you the prompts and the questions to work on. Uh, there's also a really good uh, company out here in California called Skilled Inc. Um, and their entire company is built around the, the job search process and helping people with the interview process. So those are great places to kind of check things out and kind of give yourself a little bit of a, a barometer before you really dive headfirst. Just just to jump in a little bit with uh, with people kind of going into the job market. I know I've talked to a few people that have gotten to like, you know, 10 interviews or 15 interviews, applied like 200 times, gotten like seven rejections, gotten ghosted a million times. Like, is is there a point that you like, is there advice that you would give those kinds of those people that are just kind of grinding away and are really discouraged? Because I like th- that's when they reach out to us a lot of the time. Or is that just part of the process? Like, it, is there a point where you're like, oh, damn, I'm probably doing something wrong? Maybe I should rethink my method? Or do we do you just keep applying and doing the same thing? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it really depends on, I think, I would say the first thing to look at is the person's current mental state and how they're feeling. Because, for example, if they've submitted 200 applications, they're getting ghosted, they've had three or four interviews that week, and they're exhausted, and then all of a sudden they get another interview request for the next day, how are they going to perform in that interview? Probably not great. You know, they're going to come in, they're, they're already feeling a little bit, um, you know, uh, I guess, kind of dejected because of the fact that they haven't done well in these other ones. So they're probably telling themselves, oh, God, I'm not going to get this. And you know, then the interviewer on the other side can, can kind of tell they can, they can, you know, feel out the fact that this person maybe just doesn't have the energy for it. And unfortunately they just don't know what the person's been going through. And so I would say, you know, asking yourself, well, if I was going to get an interview right now, or if, you know, I was going to spend another, let's say two days submitting applications into, you know, the, the black hole that is, Indeed or ZipRecruiter not to hear anything back. What's my, what am I going to be like in two or three days? You know, am I going to even want to code anymore? And so that, that balance is really important because, you know, the job search, unfortunately, is a series of negative feedback loops. It is, you don't have enough experience. Uh, You're not the right fit. Uh, you get ghosted, you get automated responses on jobs that you thought were a perfect fit for you. You meet somebody at a networking event only to have them not follow up on your LinkedIn connection request. And unfortunately, even though it's so negative, the one thing you can't do is completely stop and give up. Because if you do that, nobody's going to come back and, and you know, say, hey, wait, we, you know, we, we saw that you had been doing this three months ago. We, we thought we wanted to see if you're still interested because there's so many people trying to break in that you kind of have to continue to put yourself out there. So what I like to, you know, suggest people do is, is have a, a list of different job search activities that you can tackle and break them into different categories. Like I really enjoy practice problems. I really enjoy um, you know, p- listening to podcasts. And if those are things that don't drain your energy, then do them when you're feeling dejected, when you've gotten a bad interview, you know, pour yourself a beer and listen to a podcast because 
that's a little bit more enjoyable than submitting these cold applications into a system. But don't give up on the application side. Get back to that once you're back to a better mental state. And then be aware of the fact that if you submit 10 applications and you're starting to feel drained, you stop and you go back and do something that you do enjoy. Um, and then, of course, there is, you know, there, there's the awareness, self-reflection factor, which if you're not kind of taking an inventory of what it is that you've done and what isn't working or what's working, you know, what is it? Is it Einstein or, or Edison that was saying that, you know, uh, trying the same thing twice, but expecting different results is the definition of insanity. So <laughs> if you've submitted a hundred applications online and you haven't gotten an interview, then do something different. Like, you know, don't continue to expect the next one to, to work out. Um, and, and so once again, I think it's all about having a mix of, of things to do. And, you know, I, it's awesome that people have, um, you know, a community like you guys have built because one of the leading causes of burnout is the feeling of loneliness. And um, they were actually doing a study on this with the U.S. Air Force because a lot of um, uh, commanders and generals had reported starting to feel burnout. Um, and it's because they all felt like they were the only ones tackling certain problems and couldn't really talk to other people about it. And I'd imagine that that's one of those things that people experience when they get frustrated in the job search is I've been doing this, I've been doing this, I've been doing this, and they're not giving me this feedback. I'm not hearing back from companies. And you say, well, okay, cool. Let's, let's go to a networking event, you know, join a discord group, like, or just find two people to work on a project with. Um, and you'll find out that you're not alone in this and it's, it's not just you that's experiencing this, you know, this challenging, difficult time. Awesome advice. Yeah, that's, that's really great. I, I, the one thing that kind of stood out to me is the, the whole like sort of environment change you said to like, listen to a podcast or do whatever. And, and, and honestly that applies when you're on the job as well. Like I'm, I'm a very like impulsive and I can get really fired up type of person. And one of the best things that I've ever done is like. I'll just turn on like if I'm like working on something and I get fired up about it. I also am a person that digs my teeth in. So I'm stubborn, but I'm also panicking and it's a it's a mess. So I'll turn on a podcast in the background and I'll continue working or I'll turn on a show that I've seen a million times. I don't have to keep watching the the same or I don't have to like watch the screen the whole time. And it just like calms me down. It's like, oh, like it's like my brain thinks I'm on like rela like relaxing time, but I'm still working. And I kind of slowly get there. So like, just like you said, you know, you don't give up on applying and stuff, but like change your environment a little bit. Don't just, you know, burn yourself out on the interviews. And I think that's really, really solid advice. Yeah, I know. It, it, and it's tough, you know, too, because it, you know, I, like I mentioned, you can't give up, but at the same time, you can't kill yourself by doing, you know, all the things that you don't enjoy. And, um, you know, ideally, like once again, ideally, you'll have a few of those job search activities that you still feel okay doing. Um, but if needed, you know, take a day off, go, go for a walk, play some video games, you know, do something, get, get, get like a serious workout in, um, you know, it, it, but sitting in front of your computer all day or scrolling through job descriptions or, you know, heck, even reading and listening to people talk about the job search in, you know, YouTube videos and stuff like that, it's going to be frustrating after a while. And so it is really important, um, you know, to take those breaks and, and you know, Matt, you know, you, 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 hit, you, you nailed it perfectly because as much as you might love a lot of aspects of your job, almost everybody has things that they like and they don't like. And 
obviously, if you're going to be doing the thing that you don't like for long extended periods of time, you're going to rethink your current situation. Um, so it's tough, but, uh, you know, just get, be a little easier on yourself, take breaks. And then if needed, um, ask other people, you know, for some honest feedback, because um, oftentimes we just get into our own little loops inside of our head. Absolutely. Now, for the just sort of a point blank question about interviews, really, for this next one here, um, what should you do if you're sitting there, you know, you're in the interview, you're, it's going well so far, maybe there's some HR questions to start or something, and you ask, you get asked a bunch of technical questions and you know, you've, you've nailed them, but then all of a sudden, bam, you hit with a technical question that you just don't know how to answer. So, you know, what do you do as the interviewee in that situation? Do you take your best stab at it? Do you guess, do you say how you would solve the problem on the job? Like, what do you do in that situation? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think you, you kind of want to revert back to, well, what would I do if, if I was faced with this you know, this type of challenge or question, but without the pressure of an interview. Uh, the, the issue that most people have, once again, is that when they're in an interview, they think that they have to be right all the time. They think that they, you know, have to be the perfect version of themselves. And, and that's just not the case. You know, managers are, are looking for what your weaknesses are. And if they are comfortable with those weaknesses or the areas that you don't know things, then they're, they're going to move forward with you. But if they're not, then, you know, it's not going to be the right fit anyways. So if somebody was expecting you to get those questions right and you couldn't get it right, well, okay, cool. You, 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 you've both found out that this isn't the right fit. But um, one, uh, you know, kind of a couple quick takeaways. One, you can't guess. Um, if you try to guess and you get it wrong, you're wrong. <laughs> and two, more often than not, your answer is going to lead to follow-up questions. So if you guess and get it right, you're now headed on a very, it's like you're, it's like you're on a log, you're on one of those rolling logs that's in the water and you're trying to run along it and you're going to fall eventually. And then that's when the manager goes, they guessed earlier. I don't want them on my team because if they're going to guess when they're on my team or they're going to lie, be untruthful to me, they're going to be dishonest. Right. That's a huge deal breaker. So the, the fallback, and it's funny because what happened over the course of the, the last few years is, you know, this advice has come out where it says, well, don't guess, just tell them you don't know. Okay, cool. You know, you don't know, at least you were honest, but is that what you're getting paid to do as, as a developer, as an engineer? <laughs> no, you're getting paid to solve problems. Like everybody's coming to you because they don't know. Like the last thing you want to do is come to the engineering team or the development team and say, hey, can you guys do this? And you simply say, I don't think we can. No, it's always it's like you're, you're, you should enjoy and relish the challenge of finding out those answers. And that should be what excites you about development and programming is that, that unknown, the, the problem solving that you're doing. If you're doing, if, if you could write code with your eyes closed, one, very impressive, but two, you're not in the right field. Like you, you, nobody who is going to be a really good engineer is the type of person who wants to just do the bare minimum. They want to constantly push themselves. What's new, what's out there. And so one, obviously letting them know, I'm not sure about this, or this is, this is new to me or great question. Um, and then tell them what your thought process is and tell them how you might solve it. So uh, for example, one of the questions I like to ask students is, well, if I was, if our team was make, doing a project and we were actually switching 
our current uh, environment from a, a React front end to a Vue front end, how would you handle a project like that? I mean, you can't simply just say, well, I, don't, I haven't worked with Vue, so I'm not gonna, I, I wouldn't be ready. No, how would you prepare? You, you would go to the documentation. You might find some resources that are out there. You might do a little bit of a, a sandbox project you know, on your own because whether you get hired or not, you should be interested in just learning it for your own sake. Um, and then the other, the other route that you can go is you can always say, um, you know, well, that, that's an interesting question. I, I haven't been, I haven't encountered that. Is that something that's important to your guys' environment? Can we kind of talk through this right now? Um, and some managers and interviewers are going to be like, yeah, let's, let's dive into this a little bit more. But the easiest answer is, I don't know, but I'm going to look that up and I will get back to you about that. Definitely. And, and I think that's, that, that's really crucial insight for, um, for people because like they'll, I mean, I would, <laughs> if I was at, if I, if, if the interview was going perfectly well, and then all of a sudden I was asked something that I didn't know, I would, I would immediately start to panic. So like having that in your toolkit, having that bit of advice in your toolkit, absolutely like super, super valuable. And, uh, you can, you know, throw that in your studying for your, for your interview so that, you know, like, oh, I'll just make sure that I uh, talk to them about my Googling procedure or whatever, whatever you would do. Yeah, no, and and another quick and easy phrase that can take a little bit of pressure off is, do you mind if I take a second to think about it? And then you can gather your thoughts because, you know, as you mentioned, interviews can get fast. They can get, they can, they can move quick. The, the questions feel like they're coming at you fast. It, God forbid you get a, a panel interview where you have three or four different people asking you questions, which is going to happen probably at some point, but um, just ask them and say, hey, do you mind if I take a second to think about it? And now you've gotten full you know, carte blanche to, uh, to sit there and, and say, you know, like gather your thoughts. And then if you still need to say, you know what, I'm not sure, then that's fine. But uh, the temptation to just dive into an answer is, is, is almost always there. You know, funny enough, uh, you know, just a little like small personal story, but it applies here is uh, talking about like, you know, sort of interviews in a uh, in an unideal situation. Uh, I one time was interviewed at nine in the morning. Uh, I didn't get the, I didn't get told that it was at nine in the morning. There was some sort of issue with the school because it was a co-op, the school's scheduling software, I guess. So I wasn't told it was at nine in the morning. I was still asleep and I woke up to my BlackBerry ringing and it was actually BlackBerry on the other end because they wanted to hire like they were like trying to like hire for this certain role. And I found out that there was like some sort of other bug that was it was like my old application that had my old dated resume uh, and I still landed that job. So, <laughs> so definitely, uh, you know, if I can do that and I'm a panicky person, um, you know, taking these tips that TJ is saying to you, the listener and, and, uh, you know, having that little story behind you, hopefully can give you some, uh, motivation there because uh, I didn't know what I was doing. And, uh, yeah, so <laughs> that that's impressive. And, you know, it, it's going to come up, you're going to get interview situations in which the person's asking you questions about the wrong role. Or they, you know, have a, a, a resume format of yours that's different. Or heck, sometimes your resume is just going to be online, and a recruiter reaches out to you for a role you didn't even apply for because they're just trying to actively recruit for a position. And you know, you take the call, and you don't have no idea what they're they're talking about. But you know, if you're ready with a few of those basics, tell me about yourself. How many years have you been doing this? What languages are you strong with? you know, you've done that practice, then you're going to be ready to handle most of it. But, um, you know, understanding that things are going to be thrown at you that that are tough, but communicating, hey, uh, 
I, I actually wasn't ready for that. Or, hey, I, I, the job description had, had shown these, these roles and responsibilities. It sounds like you're asking about a little bit different. Is this the same position that you know, I had talked about? And you'd be surprised. I mean, I've, I've seen interviews go 30 or 40 minutes before somebody says, oh, we're talking about the different, the different positions. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, Don't that, that's awkward. <laughs> it is. It's, it's rare, very rare, but there's a chance. So if needed, just bring it up because communication is, I mean, you know, almost every major problem in, in, in life, the world, you know, politics, whatever it is, is a result of poor communication. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's like, that's a really, that's a really critical step as well. I like the, I like the advice of just give me a second, stuff like that. Cause you're communicating to them. Hey, I just need to think for a second. You know, no one's going to attack you for that on the job. So that's, that's all really great insight. And when you're studying for an interview, you know, uh, especially coding interview, like what is your thoughts on studying extra stuff? So studying specifically in this case, advanced topics, even when the role doesn't call for them. So for example, if you're going for, let's say like an entry level UI developer, or you're just supposed to be using like bootstrap or something uh, in the job, but you think, you know, should I be studying some more advanced programming topics? Like, is this more of like a school test situation? What's your thoughts on on something like that? Yeah, well, I think the first thing you you got to start with is the job description itself. Um, you know, spend at least four hours, I think, maybe you know, maybe a little bit less if the job description aligns perfectly with what you've done and interviewed for before. But dive into it. Dive into the languages that are on there. Make a list of the ones that you know and you you want the conversation to go in that direction and make a list of a few of the ones that you haven't worked with and how would you handle that if those are brought up. And once again, just tell them, you know, I haven't worked with this yet, but I've looked into the documentation. I could learn it this quickly. The, the worst thing you can say is, you know, uh, let's say, you know, it's, it's a UI role and, and they ask you, you know, maybe this isn't a great example, but, um, you know, they ask you, about accessibility and it's on the job, you know, description and you say, oh no, what is that? Well, God, that's a quick and easy way to end the interview right there. You just told me you didn't look at the job description. So definitely get get to know that, Um, get to know your resume. Your resume is all fair game. So even if it's something that's not on the job description, the manager just might be curious about it. They might say, and, and I've had this happen before to a candidate, she was interviewing for a technical support role. And uh, the uh, in college, she had taken, I believe it was a, a cryptography class. Maybe I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. But the manager was interested in it. And it, of course, it has nothing to do with technical support. But he goes, <laughs> hey, I saw that you had taken this class. Like, or I, you had taken this. What, where is your experience with that? And she goes, um, I, I'm sorry, I'm not sure what you're referring to. He goes, well, God, I liked, I had the great conversation with her, but if, if she's going to have something on her resume, she doesn't know, he goes, we can't move forward. Um, so right. know your resume, um, study the company. You're, you're likely going to get asked, why do you want to work here? Obviously people want to hire people who are excited about working at a place and have done their research. Um, then from there, one of the things you can do is of course, go to Glassdoor. Uh, Glassdoor is going to potentially have some interview questions that the company has asked in the past. And if you've got a, a, time, a few days, maybe even a week to prepare for the interview, um, one of the best things you can do too is reach out to former employees of that company. So if you can find some people who used to work there on LinkedIn, they might be willing to give you some tips and tricks. Uh, we know Reddit 
you know, has a, a ton of information on there. And people might also talk about the interview questions that they received at that company. So if you've done all of that, you've tried to do as much research as possible, then it's okay to step in and add in some of these. These are maybe, you know, that this could come up because everything that I just talked about will come up. Like that is, that is the bare minimum of what you should be looking into. Unfortunately, since you don't know if they're going to ask advanced concepts, if they're going to dive into frameworks or languages that you haven't worked with yet, or um, they're going to give you, you know, a, 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 an algorithm challenge, that's a little bit riskier to spend your time on. Now, if you have the extra time, do it because one of the things I think is, um, uh, I think Napoleon either said this, I know Ben Franklin did, and, you know, it's a, a failure to, if you fail to prepare, prepare to fail. And if you're not putting the time in to get ready for an interview, it's going to be pretty clear to the interviewer and they're not going to move forward with you. But what a lot of people make the mistake of doing is saying, oh, well, this job's going to be, it, it's, it's our, it's, it, there's a long shot or there, uh, I, you know what, I don't even really want to work for this company. Well, the time you're putting in now isn't just for that role and that opportunity. It could be used for the next interview that you have. It could be used for a company or a competitor of theirs. So the more prep you do early on, the easier the interview process is going to be later down the line when you're in your third or your fourth interview with other companies. It, it, it's going to take a little bit, but you don't want to miss out on an opportunity because you said to yourself, gosh, I wish I'd studied more. You know, I, I've never heard somebody say, that I, I've never heard somebody walk out of an interview and say, I wish I did less preparation. Instead, they always walk out and say, oh, that was great. That went really well. And you're like, but on the other hand, you hear people say, God, I wish I'd spent some more time looking into that stuff. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and to be honest, you know, that, that, that's gotta, that, that goes true for everything, right? Even when it's just like a school test or something, no one's like, man, I should have studied less. Like, why was I studying this? You know, <laughs> no one says that. Everyone's just like, whoa, that was quick or whatever. And then yeah. boom, they're done. Yeah, absolutely. Now, to finish off our interview here, but also a question that's usually answered uh, or asked rather uh, at the end of most interviews, or at least the ones that I've been through is, you know, when you're asked, do you have any questions for us by the interviewer? What's the best questions to ask as the interviewee so like do you ask the same ones every time do you is it different per company like do you ask about the company specifically uh do you ask more than one question like what do you think about that yeah so first rule is you have to have questions prepared um if you don't and um you know you go into an interview there's a chance that they just don't think you're interested uh, personally, as somebody who's done a lot of hiring, to me, it means that you don't really care. I don't want to move forward with you. Um, so have at least, I think you should have at least five to seven written down. And once again, written down. For some reason, people think that memorization shows something impressive. No, it doesn't. Like this is the professional world, write stuff down. Um, so uh, having five to seven is a good number because when people just do three or two, usually those get answered during the, uh, the conversation and the interview itself. And then you get to the end and you say, to, you say to them, oh, well, they already got answered. Well, one of two things just happened. Either you didn't do enough research and didn't have enough questions or you're lying to me 
and trying to fake that you didn't have quite that you had questions, but they got asked. So um, either way, I'm not moving forward with you as a candidate. And from the quality and the type of questions, um, you want to think about this. I think the easiest way is, is, you know, yes, on the one hand, you can have questions that you ask every company. But you don't make them lazy questions. Make them questions that are actually important to you. You know, ask something about what it takes to be successful in this role. What is the company culture like? What is your management style like? Because if I was going to work for a company and I'm going to spend 60% of my time there, I want to know that stuff. I want to know that after we, you know, launch a product or, you know, we, we've just um, released a new version we're going to get maybe, you know, a day off, or we're going to have a little bit of downtime before the next one, or, you know, what the expectations are. If, if they tell you, Hey, we need somebody to come in and we expect you to write production level code in week two. Well, then you say, okay, well, I'm really going to have to get ready to roll here. Um, so doing your research, these are a lot of the questions. One, you can always just do a Google search and just say good interview questions, good questions to ask the company at the end of the interview, tons of lists out there. And then take those questions and tailor them to the company. So one of my favorite questions to ask is, why do you like to work here? Or what's your favorite part about your job, about the job at XYZ company? And it gets the person who you're talking to thinking in a positive mindset. They're probably going to say something like, well, I love um, the fact that we're constantly building and working with the latest technologies. You go, that's awesome. Like I've been looking for somewhere that does that, or maybe they do a lot of work in the community. Maybe they have a great mentorship program, um, all things that could get you even more excited about working there. Uh, and then another really good question I think is what has a, a previous hire done that has made them so successful in this role? Cause not only are you get them thinking once again, very positively about somebody they've hired before, but you're also showing them that you are going to try to be the best person you can possibly be in the best fit for the role. You know, that's all great advice. And, you know, one of the, the sentiments I, I, I'm going to take from this whole episode is that I, I really like your advice on how to bring sort of the um, the human element, if you will, into interviews. I think that interviews get treated as a whole like a really robotic like question, answer, question, answer, question, answer, yes or no, bye, you know, type of thing. But I think that you're really bringing in the human element. You know, you're talking about extracurriculars that the company is doing. You're talking about, you know, you taking breaks and, and, uh, you know, prepping for different interviews and, 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 you know, uh, using your experience to answer questions that you don't know how to answer. So I think that's really great insight, TJ. And I would love to, or I'd like to thank you for coming on the show. Um, and I'd like to, uh, also, uh, invite you to take the floor now and, uh, kind of give any self plugs, you know, maybe your socials or learning views or whatever you have. Take the floor, links, all that stuff. Shameless self-plug, start now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, this has been awesome, guys. I really appreciate, you know, the invite. And um, so, I, I mean, the best way to connect with me is, is through LinkedIn. Um, you know, first name, dash, last name, TJ, you know, Kenyon, K-I-N-I-O-N. It should be uh, the, the only TJ Kenyon that pops up, um, which is nice. Uh, for anybody who's looking to learn how to code, um, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm impartial to our boot camp. I think we do uh, something special down here. And, you know, there's a reason that we have over 200 five star reviews and so many success stories. Um, and, it, you know, we, we have a little bit of a, an advantage being a, a smaller, tighter knit group. We're not, you know, one of these programs that's focused on growing as fast as possible. But, 
Um, at the end of the day, we also don't give up on students, which I know can be a fear and, and something that people are a little bit worried about. But um, I also understand that we're not the only one out there. So if people are looking at boot camps and they have questions about different programs and what might be the best route for them, I'm always happy to answer those. And other than that, that's about it right now. You know, I, I don't have, I, I wish I had a podcast or, you know, some type of like product to sell, but um, you know, that's about it. So, you know, for anybody looking to break into tech, I'd be happy to answer uh, any questions and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. And maybe, and maybe this is a, maybe this is a hint to maybe, maybe you should be looking at making a product or something, getting into the side hustle game, you know, something, <laughs> something out there, podcast or something. Mm, yeah. Then you can come yeah, back on the podcast. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, definitely open to it. If you guys ever, ever want to have me back. God, I mean, all we talked about was interviewing and that is just one piece of the entire job search process. So uh, exactly. plenty of other stuff to dive into if needed. Awesome. And I'm sure we'll have you back, TJ. And I'd like, once again, to thank you for coming on the show. And I hope that you, the listener out there, really enjoyed this interview as much as we did. And thank you for tuning in. Thanks, TJ. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that episode as much as we did. Tons of great insight and information in there. Again, a little bit of a different one this time. We're not really talking about technical stuff. TJ focuses on the career development and getting you into a career. And so some really cool insights into that. And I know that someone out there, or I hope that someone out there will pull a lot of really great tips and tricks and land a job as a result of this. And if you do, or if this helps you through your coding interview prep, your coder, coding interview anxiety Please let us know on any of our social channels. We'd love to hear about it. And uh, we may have TJ on in the future. So if you have any specific things that you wanted us to cover in this episode that we did not cover in this episode you want to, and you want us to ask TJ, please let us know. And maybe we'll, we will feature that in a future episode. Now, Mike, you haven't spoken other than in the interview because we record these little intro outro separately. And today's a weird one because we're, we're recording two intro outros, but I'm going to ask you the question anyway. What have you been working on this week? All right. Uh, yeah, that interview was awesome. And I've been working on weekly growth goals, believe it or not. Uh, that's been kind of my focus. I've been I went back to the drawing board a little bit with it, had conversations with a bunch of people and decided to refocus it on the weekly goal rather than the community aspect. So when you get into or weekly goals, I should say. So when you get into the app, the first thing you're going to see is going to be like a kind of like your ability to create the weekly goal or edit it. So you're getting right into it and uh, you'll be able to add multiple weekly goals and then track them as you go. So the idea that I have is I have these little status pills at the bottom of the card and each status pill represents a day of the week. And if you go go back, like if the, the idea is you have to come back every day to your weekly goals application and journal or write a little bit about how, what you did to complete your goals, or you can actually check off your goals. And if you do either of those things during that day, you'll get your little pill to turn purple. And every day that you do that, your pill will turn purple. If you forget to do it, your pill will be red and look bad. So the idea is I want to incentivize people to purple their entire timeline. And as you complete a whole you know, set of weekly goals in, in, a, in a week, you'll have a full purple timeline and you'll get a badge. 
And the more badges you get, you can kind of display them and will allow it to be social media shareable and stuff like that. So I'm trying to incentivize doing the goal. I will still have a social aspect to it in the sense that you'll be able to see other people's goals and maybe get inspiration. But that's going to be where I kind of draw the line. It'll be like, I want you to go there to get inspiration that other people are completing their goals. And I'll have, I'll probably only showcase goals that are being completed. So people that will miss a goal or miss a day will not be shown on the social timeline. Just again, another incentive that if you want to kind of get your word and your name out there and stuff like that, complete your goals. So that's been my thought process for the weekly goals. Let me know what you think. Again, I'm tweeting a lot on Twitter right now with the at HTML everything tag. So go on Twitter. Let me know what you think of that idea. I do have some screens on there of what this app is going to look like. I'm building in public, so I'll be showing it. I'm getting advice from a lot of people that are way better than me on UX from there. And uh, I even had someone build out randomly one of the cards that I made in in Tailwind. So I'll be using that as well. So that was super cool. I like that. Yeah, that was awesome. Like I just posted there just for like fun. Like, hey, look, I took your feedback. I made this card. And someone was like, hey, I'm going to build this in 15 minutes. And then they did. (laughs) I was like, okay. All right, I guess I'll use that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. That that's been my focus. Uh, what about you, Matt? Uh, so I have been just sort of bouncing all over the place. I've been doing uh, little kind of tasks that have fallen by the wayside. So fixing up that type of stuff. Uh, we've had uh, a bit of an incident with a customer site. So we, Mike and I, actually together, kind of tag team that, and then our contractor went in and like we, Mike and I applied a band aid, and then. Uh, we have a contractor that we work with, and he went in and put, applied the actual fix, so that was good. Uh, so we got that done, and uh, then we've been we've been just sort of trying to build out HTML of the things a little bit. Getting I've been doing a lot of podcast editing because we're a couple weeks ahead, so we've been doing a lot of that. I've been posting a little bit on Instagram and stuff like that, and then I'm also trying to get an audiogram library together because I know there's a lot of people that don't have the time to listen to full episodes. But there's a lot of great insights that you can pull just from, you know, shorter, maybe minute clips or few minute clips or whatever. And so I'm trying to get a couple of audiograms. I know I have a few now, but I'd like to get more out there because I think that's going to be a, a better way to share some of this uh, this knowledge for people that just don't have the time to tune into a full episode. So hopefully, hopefully I get a big enough library so we can pull from that as needed on socials or whatever else we share them as well. But that's all I've been doing this week. Uh, sounds like Mike's had a packed episode or packed uh, packed week, and um, I think it's about time to roll roll up roll up. Man, I can't talk. Roll up the rim to win here. Uh, time to run the old conclusion here. Runner up. All right. Well, remember we are on Patreon. If you want to hear me not speak properly, apparently, uh, that's patreoncom things. Check out the tiers and give that a go. And many thanks to our three dollar tier patrons: Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on youtubecom JavaScript, Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design on LocalPathComputing.com, Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on BlueBlackDigital.com, Chris from Selfmade Web Designer on SelfmadeWebDesigner.com, Tim from The Web Hacker on TheWebHacker.com, DL Ford from DLFord.io, Bib Hashdash from Nine Block Media on NineBlockMedia.com, Jason from Geek Life Radio via GeekLifeRadio.com. Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca, Magnus from yesweb.se, and Jeff from Twitter via at therithic. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on, and this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. 
web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things signing off.